0: Stay Ready is the mentality birthed through the trials and triumphs in life as an NFL long snapper. Join me in conversations with teammates, mentors, friends, and family who helped me realize Stay Ready is so much more. A deeply rooted principle of life in all things faith, family, and football. From Music Row in Nashville, welcome to Stay Ready, the podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another Stay Ready podcast. And we had to bring back Jared Stillman because a couple weeks ago, He made a bold prediction on who was going to be the next head coach of the Tennessee Titans. And we just found out a couple days ago that you were, in fact, correct on the hire of the new head coach of the Tennessee Titans. What
1: I tell you, I said that if it's right, even though I had no inside information, really no information at all, I just was shooting from the hip. But that if I did, I'd come back here and say, ha, I was right. So it's at least nice to be able
0: to do that. But what was your instinct on that?
1: Uh, I think I the Titans were looking for an offensive coach. I think the, really the only thing they have is a quarterback anyways. So I think they were looking for an offensive coach. And I think he, to me, seemed like the offensive coach who wasn't going to hold them up via either money or power, right? Yeah. So like Ben Johnson of the Lions, I felt like he was going to want too much money. I felt like Jim Harbaugh was going to want too much power. And so it started to kind of eliminate options. Callahan comes from the tree, the McVay tree, because Zach Taylor – Obviously, the head coach in Cincinnati. So it just kind of all added up. It it was almost more like an educated guess. Just made
0: the most sense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: More so than like, oh, yeah, no, I know what the Titans are looking for, and that's it right there. More than that.
0: Well, even though you predicted that, is that the right fit for the Titans?
1: I mean, I actually like the hire. It wasn't my top choice. I wanted slow it from the Texans. But it makes sense to me because, like, from a resume standpoint, Brian Callahan is probably where – a guy that would enter the league as a coach should be, right? Yeah. He's been in the league for over a decade, specializes in the offensive side of the ball, which is now in vogue, didn't call the plays, but none of these guys that come from the McVay-Shanahan group call the plays because McVay and Shanahan call the plays. So, you know, Zach Taylor didn't call the plays. Mike McDaniel didn't call the plays. Kevin O'Connell didn't call the plays. And so these guys go with them, don't call the plays, and then they get their head job. And then they call the plays. And that's what's going to happen here. He's got great lineage. His dad you know, was the head coach of the Raiders when they beat the Titans in the AFC title game to go to the Super Bowl. And his dad's like an offensive line guru, which uh, I think more than anything gives me confidence that he'll be able to hire a competent staff, even as a young coach. Because the most important thing is not to hire people that you feel comfortable with or your buddies, but it's to have the knowledge base of who would be a good coach. If I was a head coach, who would be a good receivers coach? Who would be a good special teams coach? And then the other thing that I think experience that he has and through his connections and his dad and everything else have is the idea of who's not going to be a good coach. Because as much as we focus in on the head coach at the media level, I think, you know, you could probably speak to this better. Like the assistant coaches are the ones who really, you know, touch the players every day. And that, In football cannot be overlooked.
0: Yeah, and and it kind of goes back, you know, Jim Harbaugh was just hired last night for the Chargers, who I think is a great fit. I mean, that was their number one prospect. The Chargers fan base was like screaming for Harbaugh for the past like three months. First it was Belichick, then it quickly shifted to Harbaugh when there was an inkling of an opportunity that Harbaugh would leave Michigan uh, to come back to NFL. But they got their guy, which I think is a great fit. But it comes down to, all right, you got the the head coach you want. Who is he going to get for coordinators? And we see in the NFL, we see in college, it's a fraternity. The boys they boys stick together. Sure. They're loyal to their boys. But that doesn't always equate to success, especially when you're when you coming from college now to the NFL or even vice versa. Um, yes, Harbaugh has been in the league before. He was successful with the 49ers, took them to the Super Bowl, obviously just coming off of a championship season for the Michigan Wolverines. Um My hope is that it sounds like he's going to try to get the DC from the Ravens. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but then it goes down. Who's going to run the offense. Who's going to be special teams. The chargers have one of the best.
1: Well, even then the Ravens may not let him out of his contract. Exactly.
0: So it's like, who does he go get to fit those, those, those roles who are wildly important. Um, you know, I think, uh, Ficken is his name, the special teams coordinator who was under Staley two years there in, uh, with the chargers. He's a great, you worked for him. No, I wasn't there. I I, I was, uh, he came the year after, but he's had great success there as a special teams coordinator. I would hate to see the chargers not re-up him because Harbaugh wants to have his boys there. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out here in Tennessee, how it plays out in in LA with the chargers. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on talk Titans, uh, talk here. Um, because you get so amplified, you get so ramped up, you know, um, but let's, let's, let's touch on Vrabel for a second. These opportunities are dwindling for Vrabel. You know, we're, we're seeing there's really only a couple teams left. You got Atlanta, who's now linked to Belichick. We don't know what's going to happen there. And then you got Carolina. And then you got the commanders, right? Yeah. Or or the commanders already locked their guy up.
1: Sure. I mean, the commanders are going to hire Ben Johnson. Atlanta's going to hire Bill Belichick. Like it's obvious, like where these teams are headed.
0: Seattle still has a vacancy, but Dan they're going to hire Dan Quinn. Yeah.
1: So it really is the Panthers or not. He's interviewing with the Panthers today. I think Vrabel sitting this one out. In fact, I don't even think Vrabel really wants. I mean, I think he would take the Seahawks job. I don't think Vrabel probably wants that Panthers job. There is kind of a stipulation in these contracts, right? Everybody thinks it's great. You get fired. Great! But there are kind of stipulations that you have to try to look for a job. Yeah. So I think by Vrabel interviewing for these jobs, it kind of checks the box of, hey, he tried to get one of these jobs and he didn't, so now you got to pay him his $10 million, or whatever it is. My thing is with Vrabel, he is going to have to go one of two paths. Either he sits the year out And he goes to a team next season as one of the hottest candidates in the market. And he is the same Vrabel that he was here. And after about four or five years, they'll be sick of him there and they'll fire him. And that's just kind of... And then he's going to go to the next team and do that. Like, I've seen that time and time again. The Predators had a coach when they were at their best. Peter Laviolette. That is his entire career. He goes somewhere. He wins. He pisses everybody off. He gets fired. Like, it's very... I think he's done that now with like half the league. So he can do that or he can go the other path and reinvent himself, which is okay. Taking a real hard look in the mirror of why things fell apart here, you know, hit some Nicoderm patches or whatever it is and really try to
0: some Zimbabwe's.
1: Is that what that, you know, to make you feel better or get you off the smoking the cigarettes. (laughs) I, I feel like for him, it's like, he really does need to look in the mirror about why it didn't work out, you know, coaching staff mistakes. I think he's probably, and I I don't know this for a fact. And at one point he told me that whatever I think he's thinking to think the opposite, but I think he probably thinks that he got screwed over here. And it's probably like this person screwed me over. This person screwed me over that person. And there may be some truth to that, but I think he needs to look in the mirror and say, okay, what can I do better? How can I insulate my coaching staff better? How can I continue the positives of which there are many, but also maybe chip away at some of the issues that he has as a a coach. And honestly, he might be a little too arrogant to do that or confident,
0: yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I I want to see him in the league this year, but again, I don't know if he wants to take that Panthers job because it really seems like that's the only direction he can go.
1: I want him in the league too. Yeah, I mean, the idea, like, the idea that Belichick may not get a job because this Falcons thing is Rich McKay has been there as like Arthur Blank's right hand man for the last twenty years since he left the Buccaneers, and. He's an old school football guy, but he doesn't really do the day-to-day football. He's just kind of the president over all of it. And obviously, Belichick is an old school football guy. Yeah. And the idea is that they may not see eye to eye or whatever. And you know how these things work. You know, it's not enough room in this town for both of us. And I'm like, Bill, suck it up and deal with it and go coach the Falcons and break Don Shula's record. But like, I want Bill Belichick in the NFL. I don't want him to coach my team. Yeah. But I want him in the NFL. Same with Mike Vrabel. The idea that Mike Vrabel's not going to coach next year, I mean, I think, boo. My thing is, like, I want this to be like the A.J. Brown trade, where if Mike Vrabel's coaching a team next year, every week people here are going to care about how that team does. It's going to, if Vrabel's good, and it's like the Panthers, like he's not going to be good with them because they stink so bad, but like the Panthers... If they're four and one next year, Vrabel's the story of the year. He's coach of the year. It's and it's going to be like, was it a good idea to fire Mike Vrabel? I don't know, you know. And I I like that. I want the story. I want you know, kind of like this rivalry or like this, you know, was it the right idea? Was it the wrong idea? What was? Uh, that's what
0: I want. What's your heart rate at right now, dude?
1: I took my watch <laughs> off, but probably getting, like one. Hey, day. you're getting
0: fired up. Well, no, I mean- but it, I love, I love your takes because I think it's really true. It is so true because let's just say Brandon Staley got another head coaching job and went somewhere. Maybe was it maybe they were in the AFC West, like the Broncos or something. Let's just, you know, hypothetically sure. speaking, the Chargers fan base hated, they loved Brandon Staley. They hated him the next minute, but yeah, they would be watching closely on what that team was going to be doing. And obviously if they, when they, they meet up twice a year, uh, to face off. Like. You don't think
1: Packer fans enjoyed beating the crap out of Mike McCarthy? Oh, they love it. You know what I mean?
0: Like, For There's sure. like a... Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, there's an element to that yeah. of... You know, there's a documentary about the 95 Cleveland Browns. Have you seen it? The Football Life?
0: With uh, Belichick on that rock. Yeah, yeah. Belichick and Saban and yeah, all yeah, those guys. Yeah.
1: And basically about how the team moved and the fans were screwed. And the team moved and the plan that was in place, Ozzie Newsom drafts Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis and they become the Ravens. Yeah. And then Belichick goes to the Patriots and Cleveland's sitting here, like with their schminzer in their hands, like, yeah, you know, wh- it's the
0: same when your quarterback leaves and goes to another team. Sure. It's like
1: Bra- Brady and Belichick. And yeah, then Brady Aaron Rodgers. And, 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 and
0: yeah, it's, I mean, it's the same thing, but, uh, yeah, it would be blasphemy if, if Rabel isn't in the league this year. But he's I, not going to be. Yeah, I understand that because the option is is not great for Is him. he going
1: to take the Panthers? Would you take the Panthers' job if you were him? You knew you could sit out get paid, be the top candidate probably, be the Jim Harbaugh of next year's coaching. When,
0: coach you're, when you're sitting out and collecting the paycheck that he's going to be, uh, be collecting, I think, why would you even want to coach? Especially going to a team whose owner is controversial, Um I don't see. I don't see why you would.
1: Well, I mean, I think some of it too is these guys like wake up at like three o'clock in the morning and they're like, "All right, time to coach." And if you don't have a team to coach, it's probably a very empty
2: feeling. Well, sure.
1: It's like, why do you do what you do? Why yeah. do you snap?
2: And, and and is it for
1: the money or is it
2: because for like... the love of the game? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is, do you think Rabel's allowed to turn down? Because you said it like in the stipulation with all these coaches had, they have to look for a job actually. Yeah. But would turning it down show not trying?
1: So, in the NFL, nobody really turns down the jobs because all these things are, like, accepted ahead of, like... So, they would mutually disagree to not work together or whatever. So, I don't think it would be like that. I do think he could turn down a job, though. I mean, you can't, like, force somebody to take another job. Yeah, You can't say, like, okay, you have to go. They're offering $18 an hour at McDonald's. You have to take that job or else we're not going to pay you to be the head coach. Yeah. Like, you can't do that. So... I I think the other thing, too, with Vrabel is Ohio State. Because Ryan Day is absolutely on the hot seat there. And I don't know if there is a slam dunk college candidate. Now, maybe one emerges over the next year. But Ohio State, I mean, they're not going to take kindly to losing to Michigan a fourth year in a row. Especially if Jim Harbaugh is not there, which we know he won't be. So that could be another option that presents itself for Vrabel to go back to his alma mater and coach at Ohio State. So your
0: prediction, Vrabel sits out this year, weighs his option next year, collect a nice paycheck this year, live life, enjoy life, take the stress off yourself a little bit, reinvent yourself, look yourself in the mirror, and just, a lot revi- of Marlboro Lights. just revitalize yourself next year and, and hit the market hot. Because yeah. he's, he's young. He's a young coach. Yeah. He's a fiery head coach. He's a successful head coach. And right now, like I'd have to imagine, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily see like, the culture that Vrabel wants to instill is really going to translate to quick success in Carolina.
1: I think that Vrabel would probably. Maybe Atlanta, be, though. If Bobby Slowick doesn't get either the Seahawks job or the Panthers job and goes back as the offensive coordinator of the Texans and they have another good year with CJ Stroud, because if CJ Stroud has the same year that he yeah. had this year, then he's.
0: He's the hot guy.
1: He's officially like a made man now. Yeah. At that point, then Slowick probably becomes the number one candidate. And then Vrabel probably slides in number two next year. Yeah. And there's going to be seven jobs that are up. What
0: about Vrabel to Atlanta, though?
2: I mean, is that even realistic? We did have a second meeting. Yeah, what, yesterday or two days ago? Yeah, but
1: they've had second meetings with a lot of people. I think what this is is I think Bill is playing hardball, wanting things his way. Sure. And they want Bill, but instead of, okay, Bill, we'll give you what you want. They're probably waiting out Belichick here.
0: Yeah, and they're like, oh, "All right, well, we're going to go get Mike Brable on a second interview.
1: But if you're 80 years old like the owner is, you want to be good, you want Bill Belichick, you're going to find a way to get Bill Belichick. Yeah, I
0: think I read something about how the front office doesn't want Bill to be associated with the the Falcons just because of the power that he demands.
1: So, th- again, that's that Rich yeah. McKay. Like, like Terry Fontenot is the GM, right? You think Terry Fontenot is going to tell Bill Belichick what to do? No. So you see, like, that's where, yeah, if yeah. I'm GM of the Falcons, I'm telling the owner, like, oh, no, Mr. Blank, we don't want to bring this guy in because Bill's going to push that guy out the same way Bill pushed Bobby Greer out, Yeah, who, by the way, takes credit for Tom Brady, and Lloyd Carr is the one who said Bobby Greer's the only, col- is the only guy that came and sat down at Michigan and said, tell me about Brady, and he stood on the table for Brady and, like, Bobby Greer got fired, you know? Like, so I, you know, Belichick's reputation is he's going to do things the Belichick way. Yeah. And I think that, I think the losing that he's had in New England, Bill might need to bring it down a notch.
0: Sure. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's keep it on the Titans talk real quick because there's one more part that I want to talk about. It's Derrick Henry. It's pretty clear he's not going to be a Titan. What makes you say that? Well, I mean, listening to his podcast with uh, with Taylor and, and Will, it sounds like it's pretty clear that the direction the Titans want to go maybe doesn't involve Derek. And I think he's going to go out and try to capitalize on his market and his value while he's still healthy and young. And had He's a,
1: not young. He's 30.
0: Dog, I'm thir- going to be 39, so yes, You're a he's long young. snapper, bro. Yeah, but he's, he's... He's a running back. He's still very productive. Let's just put it that way. He is productive. Yes, let's put it that way. So maybe not young, but productive. Why not go chase a ring? So,
1: I mean, the way I would look at it is... A lot of times, I think people often project like their own feelings as to what they would want onto what somebody else would want. And so, I don't know. Like I know Derrick Henry says he wants to win a Super Bowl. But at what price? Because... I don't know what the market is going to be.
0: What did he make Dem- last year for the Titans? 20 million?
1: No, he made like, I think 10 and a half. Okay. Well, ca- I was way 10 off. 10 and a half in cash. Okay. You yeah. know, the, the cap hit, yeah,
0: you yeah, know, yeah, whatever, but yeah.
1: 10 and a half in cash. Okay. So the market for a running back is probably for a free agent running back that's 30 years old. Most teams would probably want to make him part of a one-two punch yep. with a back that can come out of the backfield and catch the ball and everything else. It's probably like two and a half, three million. They can incentive it up to five million. You know, when you see a report that's like so-and-so, Matt Overton signs a deal for up to six million. You know, it's not really six million. So he could sign a deal like that. Like that's what Zeke got, I think, in New England. And so that's what he's probably looking at. When it comes to the Titans, you know, there's all this talk about power structures and who's in charge and who – And uh, I was talking with somebody yesterday about the Titans' new power structure, how they've empowered the GM with final say on the roster, and then they promoted the assistant GM into, like, this president role. But it's not, like, a football thing, but it is, which is kind of complicated. But they're like, at the end of the day, you know, the owner, they all report to the owner. I'm like, well, no, duh. Like, that's every team. It's that way. And so quarterback decisions are not made by the coach and the GM. Yeah, the quarterback decisions like the owner is involved when we're talking about a quarterback the owner's involved like oh we're gonna we've got the number two pick in the draft well do we want to take drake may out of unc i don't know mr overton what do you think we should do Well, you know i really want us to go with a young quarterback you think he's the best young quarterback i do okay let's draft him okay mr overton we're gonna draft drake may like it's not like the gm is like up I told you, stay out of my office, owner. So when it comes to Derrick Henry, yes, Brian Callahan probably has an idea for what he wants. Yes, Rand Carthon probably has an idea for what they want. I would assume their long-term vision, long-term doesn't include Derrick Henry because again, Derrick's 30. But I mean, could I see the Titans owner saying, hey, where are we on Henry? And them saying, look, we think that he has value to us. But we think it's probably at about two and a half million dollars a year. Sure, absolutely. And then the owner saying, "Well, I want to keep him. Let's pay him six, and then make sure that we have him." And then if you're Derrick Henry and you hit the market, and the best offers are two million, three million, and the Titans are going to offer you eight million or something like that, then where does the respect with the money and the desire to chase a ring, where do those go hand in hand?
0: Yeah, I, I, is there any is there any teams that come to mind quickly that you know? You would think that Derek would attract, like as far as like I mean, he mentioned Dallas. I mean, he lives there, and the obviously sure. that's where home's at. You could see Jerry Jones going, getting the, the the flashy player like Derek Henry, him and Toley Pollard in the backfield. You know, match those two as the one two punch. Um, do you see any teams that w- could be good suitors for
2: Derek?
1: I think if I were the Buffalo Bills, I would look to add Derek Henry because yes, James Cook is very good, but he fumbles the ball too much. And I think about the wind and the weather and everything else. And it's like, I want a back that can pound the ball. And I go back even to how they lost this last game, where they were clearly trying to run the clock out so that they wouldn't give Mahomes the ball back. And they were expecting that they'd make the kick. But they really didn't want to give Mahomes the ball back in regulation. And they could not pick up the yardage in order to keep the clock running and get it. And I'm like, could you have done that with Derrick Henry? And not so much the, all right, we're going to run it right up the middle with Derrick Henry, and you try to stop it. But more so the idea that Kansas is saying, okay, we're going to have to overcommit here on Derrick Henry because yeah. if they hand it to Derrick Henry and he breaks one tackle, it's going to be a first down. So now let's drop a safety in there. And then that allows Josh Allen to do, you know, something, whether it's with his legs or with his yeah. arms. And then I think the second thing when it comes to Buffalo is – they got a serious problem on their hands with Stefan Diggs. I mean, that is a serious problem. And guys like that, sometimes I, I say you have to bring in the TV guy. And you're probably thinking, what am I talking about with a TV guy? Odell Beckham Jr. is a great example of this with the Ravens. They paid him $15 million. <laughs> Odell Beckham is nowhere near worth $15 million. Yeah. That's the Lamar tax. That was, Lamar said... I want either DeAndre Hopkins or Odell Beckham Jr. DeAndre was with Arizona. They don't want to trade any picks in order to get him. So they said, okay, we'll sign Odell Beckham. So they did. That had nothing to do with Odell. I guarantee you their analytics department, and the Ravens are a very smart organization. Their analytics department was saying, don't do this. Do not do this. And they sat there and they said, well, you know, we're trying to get Lamar to put pen to paper. We're trying to move on. He's demanded a trade. Let's just do it. Yeah, and so they did it. Even though Odell Beckham, I mean, he's fine, but he's not. You know, I mean,
0: a he's good. he's good for one or two catches a game. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah.
1: So, but they paid the fifteen million, and I'm sure that the owner would tell you that Steve Bashotti, this is the best fifteen million dollars I ever spent, because it got Lamar Jackson to sign his contract and to com- stop with all the complaining and the yeah. demanding the trades and everything else. So what's going on in Buffalo with Diggs and Allen, and I wonder if adding Derrick Henry to the group maybe gets everybody there excited to run it back a little bit, and then it adds a leader into the room that, quite frankly, can probably talk with Stefan Diggs, because I'm sure Stefan Diggs probably has respect for Derrick Henry.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the entire league does. But Derrick alluded to, you know, kind of a potential suitor during the trade market uh, deadline. And there was talks of, you know, Derek being traded. There was talks of him being traded during the draft, talks of him being traded, you know, before the trade deadline. And he kind of alluded to an AFC team. He didn't say who. I think he said two AFC teams that were contenders. That were contenders. Do you that think made Bu- the playoffs. Do you think Buffalo was one of those?
1: I think it was the Ravens and Kansas City. I think those are the two teams that I circle – the Ravens have been consistently looking for that veteran running back that they can really, you know, they brought in Dalvin Cook recently. I think before that it was Melvin Gordon that they yeah. had had on their practice squad. So the Ravens were a team that was kind of looking for it. The Ravens, you know, this year, I'll give them credit because they've spent a boatload of money on this year's team. They may get a Super Bowl out of it. Yeah. But a guy like Derek, I think they say, okay, we put him with Lamar and now all of a sudden, that is literally the best one-two punch that you could have running the football, and Lamar could throw it. And when he said that, oh, it would have blown up, I think it's either Baltimore or Kansas City. Yeah. Because if Patrick Mahomes' team had acquired Derrick Henry, I, I think there's a sense of everybody going crazy about, oh, my God, what would that look like? And even now with I mean, Pacheco, him, and, him
0: and Pacheco would be right. pretty nasty.
1: And so, I, those are the two teams I think it was.
0: Now, do you think those, those two potential teams that we were just talking about here, and I want to give shout-out to Bustin' with the boys, because that's where the podcast is at with sure. Derrick Henry and Will Compton and, and Taylor Lawan. By the
1: way, I have to give them a lot of credit. Not yeah. only have they gotten better as, as hosts doing a show. They're doing great. But more importantly, Derrick Henry goes the entire year, does a press conference every week, Yeah. after every game. So he does two, two every week, goes an entire year, every year, without saying anything. Never says anything. Nothing of note. Then every year, right after the season's over, he hops on the bus and like spills the tea like he's on Oprah's couch. Yeah. I have never (laughs) seen that from like a pro athlete where they're like, I'm never, ever, ever going to say anything. And then I'm going to go over here and I'm going to say everything.
0: Well, it's not even him. Michael Chandler is the same thing with them, too.
1: Who's Michael Chandler?
0: Oh, my gosh, dude. Am I supposed to know who that is? UFC fighter lives here in Nashville is going to fight Conor McGregor. No idea. Okay, geez.
1: I don't care about that. I can't like see like a guy's shin (laughs) bone pop out of his leg. Like I can't, that's no, no, no. Well,
0: Michael Chandler has a great relationship with the two of those guys and and he goes on there pretty frequently, probably what, two or three times a year he's on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's, sometimes he co-hosts it, but he's on there quite a bit and he, he spills his tea too. I mean, and that's the cool thing about the podcast. I mean, it's like, it's like Pat and and Aaron Rodgers, you know, like you have that relationship, you have that, that continuity and people feel comfortable and, and safe to uh, talk about things I want to talk about.
1: So I don't totally understand that, like, concept of feeling safe, but I also have never, like, held a press conference. I mean, then again, like, you know, I have callers that call in and yell at me, so maybe it's similar, but maybe not. You know, where there's all these other people here, and it's like, well, I'd rather not say what I want to say. Uh, Whereas, again, Oprah's couch is very inviting. And I think now, like, the podcast world has given everybody, like, a (coughs) Oprah's couch.
0: Well, and I think, too, from, like, the athlete's perspective – they would rather give the headline to Busted with the Boys rather than ESPN.
1: So I think that that'll be the case for like the next two, three years. And then eventually those guys will kind of be flushed out of they're one of us and into the they're one of them crowd. Sure. Kind of like, what's happened with Tony
2: Romo? (laughs) I don't know what you're alluding to. yeah. He stopped prepping and everything.
1: Like, he stinks now. When Tony Romo first came on the scene, first game he did was a Titans Raiders game in like 2017.
0: And he called every play that was about to happen. Every play. Yeah.
1: And then of course we had that AFC Championship game with Brady and Mahomes, where he's like, "Oh, Jim, he's got single high safety right here. So if Gronk goes into the middle of the field, the safety's going to drop. He's going to look for Edelman over the top right here. And Brady, he's got Edelman. It's a gain of 18, Tony. Like I, I'm like that was an incredible television. They have like, now a I sit down with him. They had an intervention about how bad he sucks now. And so Romo.
0: I mean, he was so good at commentating the games that people were like, dude, he needs to be our next head
1: coach. He reset reset the market for broadcasters Yeah, because CBS wanted to keep him so badly. And it's like now he's like, oh, Jim, I didn't even know that guy was very good until we did this game today. It's like, do you watch any of the previous 18 games they played, Tony?
0: He's just living, man.
1: Well, I mean, you know.
0: Maybe he's waiting for the next uh, you know, opportunity to uh, go take his talents elsewhere.
1: Well, so my theory, though, is that Romo, when he first – because he went right from the field to the number one booth, that at that point for a couple of years, Romo was still one of us. But now players look at him and they don't – Patrick Mahomes didn't play in the NFL when Tony Romo played – and Lamar Jackson didn't play in the NFL when Tony Romo played. Josh Allen didn't play in the NFL when Tony Romo played. You know, it's another thing when it's uh, Aaron Rodgers, Brady, you know, those guys at QB club together. These guys aren't. And so that's my whole theory about, like, busting with the boys is that in the future, they're not going to be, like, The players aren't going to go spill their guts on Oprah's couch because they won't have the relationships with
0: them that they had when they played. Yeah, I get that. Do you think that conversation between CBS and Roma was like, hey, listen, you're making every other commentator that we have on, on salary here look bad because you're so good. Maybe take a few steps
2: back. You know... What, you, you got to take? Well, yeah. Well, there was two things that, that was happening. One, he started getting the plays wrong. He'd be like, oh, here comes this pass, and then they'd run it. Or "Here's comes this run, and they'd pass it. So that was one of the reports. And then the other report about the intervention was that he wasn't prepping at all for games anymore. And so no, that's but, why uh, they had it. Uh, like, we're talking making, about the
0: first couple years he was there, he was brilliant. Right. My thing is, like, maybe they said, hey, you are just, like, too good that you're making, you're making, was, it, was he with Jim Nance? Yeah. And Jim Nance is one of the GOATs. But when it comes to, like football knowledge, maybe they wanted him to maybe like take a few steps back with like.
1: Yeah, they don't want to make Adam Archuleta doing the uh, Jaguars and the Panthers look bad.
0: Yeah, you know that's no, what, that's no what, that's I don't what think that, that was that's
1: what
2: that happened. was the sit down that they had to have. In sure. Place.
1: I think the sit down I was like, we want you to get back to the guy that we're paying $18 million a year to because you were like, all right, you see right here, if the safety comes down, then he's going to have to shoot over the top. Now, if they bring the linebacker in, he's going to – that's what people want. Yeah. See, here's the thing that I've realized about all this that people don't understand. All what, – what fans want is they they want two things. One, they don't care about people that aren't like the coach, the play, the, the quarterback. The you know, we don't wanna hear the the backstory of the no offense, the long snapper. You know, we send it down to the sideline and yep, you know, Matt Overton last year was working out at get fit anytime, and then all of a sudden, now he signed and here he is snapping in the Super Bowl. Jim? No like you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Although people did wanna know after that first snap in Dallas, everyone was like, Wait, what was this uh, you know? A, just a mishap. Just a just a misunderstanding. Yeah. Um but The second thing is people always want to see, like, what's behind the curtain. Yeah. That's what they want to know. That's why Mel Kuyper Jr. became Mel Kuyper Jr. Because he was the first outsider who people thought was an insider. Yeah. You know, he had the draft information. He had the players ranked. That's why people love pro football focus. Because it's like, oh, here's his grade at receiver. When it's like, I mean, the teams say that those aren't the grades necessarily that they have but it, this is the only inside outside information and so when romo's calling a game and he calls the plays out before they happen fans get really excited because it's like oh he's showing us behind the curtain of how these guys operate yeah and for some reason i don't know why they, he doesn't do it anymore but I, I don't know if they told him to stop i don't know if the schemes have changed and so now he doesn't i mean i don't know but it certainly has lost its luster and it just, he just feels like it's crazy because Tony Romo went from a a quarterback who was right on the field, who, you know, was a genius to now like, it's just like going to a bar and watching the game with somebody that's like, you know what I think they should do here.
0: And you're like, like, shut up. Yeah. It's like, I, I mean, okay, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, man. I mean, are you on the edge of your seat want to ask something? No. Oh, I thought Can you Can I heard, tell you I, the one thing I, that I
1: I, you... I, I just drives me crazy?
0: What drives you crazy?
1: All this analytic talk after Tampa Bay went for two the other day. So Tampa Bay's down by two touchdowns, they score the touchdown, they go for two, right? And every broadcaster on television tells us this is the right move because of analytics. Analytics. Analytics says this is the right move. Collinsworth's out there in the Now, there's going to be a lot of people that want to question why they're doing this, but they're doing it because the analytics say this is what you do. And so everybody at home is supposed to sit there and say, the analytics say it, so I guess they should do it. So there was a story in The Athletic after Mike Vrabel got fired about kind of the disconnect between Vrabel and the Titans. And one of the things of note noticed is that the Titans were down two scores in Miami on the Monday night football game. They score a touchdown, Vrabel goes for two, they get it, they get the ball back, they score it, they win. And apparently, the analytics department did not like that. Their analytics said, no, they should have kicked that extra point. And I'm like, so hold on. I'm getting lectured by Collinsworth on TV. I'm getting lectured by Mina Kimes. I'm getting lectured by Greg Olson about how, no, analytics says go for it. And yet the Titans analytics say, don't go for it. So somebody explain to me how this analytics works. Because I'm not even mad that Tampa Bay didn't get it. What I'm mad about is I'm like, if this is supposed to be predictive of all these outcomes of the past that give you your answer, yes or no, and their answer says no, then how can somebody else's answer say yes?
0: Well, I'll give you my take on it. Perfect example, Chargers. Chargers. 2021 Brandon Staley lived off of analytics go for it on fourth down but see I'm not not even talking about
1: the result here because I don't know like what somebody else's analytics say right yeah like it's not like you know the Chiefs analytics said don't go for it here but Staley's analytics said go for it here that I don't know that yeah I don't know his analytics could have been 100% right and I'm fine with that. Like, if we're going to let the nerds in the computer room tell us how to play football, I'm fine with that. But then everybody's nerds should be saying the same thing Yeah, it can't, because can't be these are numbers. Yeah. It's like if we're playing blackjack together and we're going to play by the book, we're going to do the same things. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to hit that. We're going to split that. We're going to double down. We're going to stay. We're going to surrender. Like, we're going to do the same thing. Oh, you got 16 against a 10? Okay, surrender. All right. That's what the book says to do. What I don't understand is how I can get lectured by all these TV broadcasters about this is what you're supposed to do. And I've got an analytics department over here saying, well, in our case, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. So now every bad decision can just be covered up by analytics. It's analytics. Why are we doing this? Analytics said so. And I think it's such bullcrap. There's no way that the Titans' analytics. And the rest of the league's analytics can be different. And then somebody texted into my radio show about this and was like, well, it's all based upon the players that, uh, you know, the certain teams, you know, have the numbers changed. I'm like, okay. And then Derrick Henry, knock on wood, breaks his leg. So now all the analytics that we had for the game, throw them out because this was all based on Derrick Henry, right? Doesn't make any sense. So instead of people getting on TV and lecturing me, and trust me, I do plenty of lecturing, you know, where I'm like, hey, You guys need to understand that this is how this is supposed to go. So I understand it. But before everybody gets on TV and starts telling me when some teams go for two, and again, I don't care. I don't have a problem that Tampa Bay didn't do it or didn't get it. I don't have a problem that the Titans went for it and did get it. I don't, whatever. But before they start getting on TV and start saying, listen, fans, this is why you have to do this because analytics says it. You need to show me the chart and the numbers that say why I have to go for it. Because the other team's analytics said I didn't have to go for it. So you tell me. So you
0: you're just upset that there's a discrepancy across the the entire board of what numbers are right and what you stay true to.
1: Right, cuz it can't it's, be right. It's yeah. it's math.
0: Yeah. I never I never thought your heart would would get this high off of analytics?
1: But it's just so stupid. No, it is stupid. It's like everybody's treating us like we're idiots because you know it's like well, like Mina Kimes posted a uh, a TikTok where she was like a lot of people have been asking me about the two point conversion, and so here's why you do this because. If you score and you get it, then you can score again and win the game. And if you don't get it, then you can score again and go for two, and then you can get it. So it gives you the possibility of winning the game. And, like, yes, I can count. Like, I I understand the difference between six and seven. Like, I got it. But (laughs) what I don't understand is why I'm an idiot if I kick the extra point. And then it's like, oh, no, no, no. The Titans analytics think you're an idiot if you go for two. But everybody just told me I'm an idiot because I didn't go for two. And it's like, it can't be that way. It can't be that. So if you're going to hammer me over the head with analytics, you have to show your work. This is third grade mathematics. Like, how did you get there? 68 divided by three. Show me how you got there.
0: I didn't know we were going to go on a tangent on analytics, but I will speak on analytics because we were a very analytical-driven offense in uh, L.A. with the Chargers when I was there with Staley. We went for it on 4th and 1 a lot. Did they show you the math ahead of time? No, of course. And I'm awful at math, so I probably wouldn't even understand it, uh, even if they did show me. But, you know, Brandon Staley, his philosophy was like, hey, I believe in my team. If it's fourth and one, we're gonna do it every single time. That's not analytics. Based based off of it's not, but based off of field position, all do you kick the PAT? Do you kick the field goal? Do you all, and there was times where I'm like, dude, Brandy, Brandon Staley has balls of steel, and I love this guy. But then it came to a point, and we were very successful on a lot of fourth and ones, fourth and two. You had Herbert, you had uh, Keenan Allen, you had Mike Williams, Eckler. We had we had a really good offense. But there came a point in time where we're now fighting for AFC uh, West. We're fighting for a playoff position. We got Kansas City at home with Patrick Mahomes. We just beat them earlier in the year on the road. Yeah, but those we, were like
1: fourth and fives.
0: But there, No, but we, we didn't kick the field goal in the red zone right. twice. I believe it was twice. And we didn't convert. That's six points right there. And what happens? Number 15 and number 87 and all the Swifties. They get the ball late in the fourth quarter, go on a game winning drive, and we lose that game. We lost to AFC West. A Wasn't pate- that a walk off touchdown? It was. Yeah. It was a. It was like, as, you know, less than 20 seconds left in the game or something like that. But it took us out of AFC West contention, and then it put us back. We had to win the next game. We had to beat Vegas on the road uh, to get in the playoffs, and we ended up losing that game.
1: You just needed to tie them. We just need, yeah. And then Brandon screwed that up too. How did you I, screw that one up? What because happened? I think he he went for it deep in like your own territory. He okay. went for it, didn't get it. It was a fourth and short. Well, they he was notorious
0: for doing that kind of stuff. If
1: he had punted, the Raiders would have just like bled the clock out because they would have made the playoffs.
0: We both would have made the playoffs, right. there, Yeah, right. Yeah, but
1: instead, because he went for it, didn't oh, get it. I don't the remember.
0: It, it was such a crazy game that game. I don't remember that one. Yeah, but yeah, it goes. Really that's that's my most recent recollection, and again. Early in my career, there was always talk of analytics. Hey, we're going to hire this guy from Stanford or whatever to come work these numbers and give us the best scenarios. And I think it's been a thing for a while. But now it's like now on when you're watching the game, it's like 47 percent chance conversion rate. If you do this, like it's now part of the game where fans are now tuned into the analytical side. But to your point, it's it's it doesn't match up all the time because it's all it's all. Who, whose numbers are the Titans looking at as opposed to who's, you know, what, what is PFF say? Sure. You know what I'm saying?
1: But I think my thing with analytics is like either you're going to do it. And if you do it because analytics say do it, that's fine. But explain it
0: yeah. like show the work.
1: Like, you know, the, if you want to be a head coach in the NFL that runs your team off of analytics or an organization that hires a head coach to run off of analytics, that's fine. But when you get up there at the podium after the game, You need to say, I didn't decide to go for it. Analytics decided to go for it. And you need to basically, and no coach will ever do that because it's like basically admitting that they don't have power or that they're not making decisions and that the analytics are making decisions for them. So no coach will do that. But, I mean, if you want a robot coach, that's fine. But just, you know, live by it, die by it. But, again a bunch of TV people tell me what the analytics say, and I don't know how they know what the analytics are. And I don't think they can explain it. I think they just get on TV and say, analytics say you need to do this. Sure. And that's what bothers me. I just think it's disingenuous. Yeah. Yeah. And so that bothers me more than anything else. But if you want to be a team, that's all about analytics. That's fine. But just then, you know, when you get asked about it after the game, coach, you went for it on fourth and 18 from your own 34. Why'd you do that? well, The analytics department said over the headset, coach, you need to go for it. And I said, well, you're the analytics department. Okay. I mean, no coach will ever do that. Yeah. But I just, I'm not like an anti-analytics guy. Because again, the anti-analytics guy would say, well, that's dumb because uh, the Titans analytics said, don't go for it. They went for it and they won the game. So analytics, what do they know? And the Buccaneers analytics said to go for it, and they lost. So what's that tell you about analytics? <laughs> and I'm not that guy. I'm just saying, it doesn't make any sense if all of our math is based upon, you know, these pre- predictive outcomes off of past history. Then everybody's analytics should be the same. So the analytics that Mina Kimes is lecturing me on and Greg Olson and Chris Collinsworth should be the same analytics that the Titans analytics department would have to agree with, but apparently they don't agree with because the Titans did that in Miami. So you can't just throw a blanket over it, tell everybody they're stupid and they don't get it because of analytics. It's like a math test. Again, everybody's answer on the math test is supposed to be the same. English, history, those answers are not going to be the same. Unless it's just like, you know, who was the Native American that did this in this in the history test? But my point being that, like, in math, which is what analytics are, in math, it should all be, you know, this is the answer. Yeah. Okay, go do it. But again, people had different answers. Yeah. So that's what. Well, I don't me. mean
0: to cut you off from your analytics rant uh, because we're uh, short on time. But I really wanted to bring you on here just to give your flowers on calling you. the. Day. The head coaching job with Callahan hire here for the Titans. But also, want to talk about the uh, conspiracies that were uh, highly uh, talked about this past few weeks within the NFL. I know we talked about the script, it's been around. Like the NFL's rigged. um, But we talked about now recently, like the Super Bowl logo, like the color scheme. And now we have the two number one seeds who are fighting to get in the Super Bowl this weekend with the 49ers and the Ravens. Do you buy into any of the conspiracies that we're hearing out there about the NFL right now?
1: No. But if you follow that up by saying, do I buy any of the conspiracies about the NBA? Yes. (laughs) I buy... The NBA, I think, is such a freaking joke. Football, I think it's on the up and up. You know, they're sending out this referee to do the AFC title game. Yeah. And apparently, he's like the best referee for road teams in the NFL. And so people are pointing at that saying oh, they're trying to get Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I'm like, folks, Patrick Mahomes doesn't need the referee's help to get into the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, he did take it last year in that AFC Championship game when they hit him out of bounds. A foot, you know, a yard and a half out of bounds. But I don't buy into that. I I think the league, because I don't think the league needs it. Like, I don't think the NFL needs the Dallas Cowboys in the Super Bowl the way that baseball needs the Yankees to be good yeah the way basketball needs the Lakers I'm sorry but like if the Milwaukee Bucks are in the NBA finals like, there's a pretty good chance I'm gonna be busy that day and miss the game if the Lakers and LeBron are in it i probably find my way to watching it and so I do think that you know the NBA they make more money off of expanded series you know if there's six and seven games as opposed to four and five games then there's more commercial inventory, more tickets are sold, more money is made. So when Scott Foster goes in to ref those games, and uh, a series is 2-0, and all of a sudden, shockingly, there's 18 fouls on one side, no fouls on the other, and now it's a 2-1 series. I don't think that's an accident in the NBA. Football, I don't think, has to do any of that.
0: Do you think that – what about the, uh, the conspiracy on the uh, Super Bowl logo?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of a coincidence. Um, But man, they had really hit it. You know, they have really potentially could be three years years. in a row, right? I mean, the fact that the year that the Rams played the Bengals, it was orange and blue.
0: And yeah, it's nothing other than the
1: Florida Gators. Nothing is orange and blue. Yeah. And so that was something.
0: And green and red last year.
1: Green and red last year, and purple and red this year. I mean, it is. It is quite the trend. Coincidence. What What they need to do is they need to put silver into the logo next year Yeah, because Dallas and the Raiders, one of them is going to have to break through one day. <laughs> and so <laughs> let's put silver in there and see, because if they put silver in there and Dallas ends up in the Super Bowl, then well, at least half of America will be happy.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very interesting. Scott, do you have any, uh, takes on, the recent conspiracies and
1: They could also put baby blue in there and I wouldn't be against it. The, super like the Titans in the Super Bowl. Oh yeah.
2: Ooh. Well, um you already named one conspiracy theory about the AFC road thing, so either the Chiefs or the Ravens have to win. They both can't be in. So one conspiracy might die this weekend if the 49ers get in. So
1: See, that's like one of those like, you know, psychic things where it's like and I don't know exactly how they do it, but it's like I see somebody that was really important to you. And it's like, oh, yes. And so it's like in the AFC, one of these conspiracies is going to live. Right? Yeah. Now, it all gets blown up if Detroit wins. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, you know, then if Baltimore and Detroit are the Super Bowl, then it blows up both the logo myth and the referee. I don't want to say myth, but theory.
0: Got gotcha. you. I mean, the whole referee thing, I mean...
1: Do you think that that's a thing? You play in that league. Are you still technically on the Chicago Bears?
0: No. One-week deal.
1: Those don't exist, do they?
0: Practice squad, yeah. Because practice squad, as soon as the the season ends, that practice squad uh, contract ends, and then most of those guys will sign a futures deal. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I wasn't in the future... Plans for the Chicago Bears. Darn, but uh, yeah, the 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 referee thing is is interesting because obviously you know, they can manipulate a lot of things, whether it's certain calls and all that, whatever the case case may be. But um, I don't know. I think it needs to be changed somehow. As far as I don't know, I mean, we have Gene Steratore. He comes on every single time a flag is. Hey, do you think this is the right call? And he chimes in on it. Um, I don't know how the refereeing can get better. I don't know if it's adding another set of eyes on the field. First or... of all, I
1: think the referee in the booth is totally crooked.
0: Oh, he's stealing. I mean, well, so
1: here's what I think happens. So the referee in the booth is tied into the replay booth, yeah. right? So like that that whole k- story came out when the DeMar Hamlin thing happened and Joe Buck and Troy Aikman said they're going to have a five minute warm up period yeah. and then they're going to play again. And then the players are like, yeah, we're about to throw up on this field. Like we can't play. And the NFL was like, well, we never said five-minute warm-up period. And Joe Buck was like, yes, you did. Our referee, John Perry, in the booth was talking to the replay booth. And the replay booth said that we're going to play in five minutes, and that's how we got that. Yeah. So what happens is, is, I don't know if you've noticed this, but every time there's a play, they let the color commentator bloviate for a second about... You know, uh, well, did he get his foot in on the side? I don't know. We bring in Gene Steratore. Gene, what do you think? And you'll see it's kind of like a magician thing. Yeah. They will bide time by kind of explaining what the rule is first. While they're doing that, I believe that whatever the call is going to be, they are being told in their ear what that call is going to be so that then they can kind of side with the call after it's made. Very rarely... Do they come out and say that's some bad officiating right there, boys?
0: They don't ever say it.
1: They don't want to throw the brotherhood under the bus.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, man.
1: So every time, and I like Gene Steratore, but like the only time I want to hear from those guys, first of all, I think that like in a big game like the AFC Championship game where that guy's in the booth with them, turn his mic on the whole time. Yeah. And so when there's a collision or whatever, you know, and it's incomplete, I want to hear they should throw a flag on that play. I want to hear that right there in live time. You're the ref. Would you take that out? Would you throw that flag right there? Yeah. But instead, what they do is they talk about it. Drag it then out Then they bit. bring him yeah. in. Then they show the super slow mo, and then it's well, I don't know if there's enough there for the flag. Uh, but I understand it, you know. And so, and thank you.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a, i I've never heard that that take before, but that's interesting insight because you're the insider. But that's outsider. No, you're the you're the outsider uh, looking in.
1: I mean, you're the one that you're, was on a team, inside. No.
0: <laughs> yeah, but the things that we know, it, you'd be you'd be surprised. Like, I, there's a lot of things that go on in in the, an organization that I have nothing, I know nothing about.
1: Oh, trust me, I I yeah. I know there's a lot of things like that players don't know. Oh yeah, for sure. That they're like uh, there's a
0: curtain that we never cross. For oh sure. yeah, yeah.
1: Players, yeah. the thing about players is they are kept on like a need to know basis. Oh for sure. Like, what time is practice tomorrow? We'll let you know.
0: Yeah. Like the whole Odell Beckham Jr. thing last year in Dallas was just a fiasco.
1: Odell Beckham Jr. thing in Dallas?
0: When they he came to visit. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It was like, what day is he showing up? Oh, it got pushed next week. What day is he showing up? Oh, I think he's gonna take a visit next Tuesday. Oh, he's at the Mavs game courtside with uh Michael Parsons and uh Trayvon. Trayvon and and oh when is he gonna have his work? Oh, I don't think he's gonna work out. I mean it was just like, dude, it was just like that whole it was around Thanksgiving, I think.
1: Did you ever talk to Jerry, like, one-on-one when
0: you were in uh, Dallas? Not one-on-one, but in a small group setting, yeah. Really? Yeah. Very was nice guy. Like,
1: was he like, Matt, I think you need to get that ball out to that punter faster?
0: No. We, we, we didn't even talk about football. We actually talked because it was the week after we came back from L.A., and uh, he mentioned that he went back to his old childhood home uh, right there, like, near Inglewood. And he was like, son... If you ever snap that ball before
1: that holder's ready for that ball again, <laughs> I'm glad. will well, send people to your house.
0: I'm glad he didn't bring that up because yeah, that was my first time meeting him after the, <laughs> after that play, you know. So, but he was a very nice guy. Yeah, we it was it was interesting little conversation. I mean, he was out there in a cowboy's jumpsuit, you know. I think it was just his uh, birthday recently, you know. Like just nice, cheerful guy, you know, out there examining practice, watching.
1: So how many guys was it like with you and Jerry? And it was the like, specialist and him. Oh, so it was just like the kicker, the holder, you, and Jerry.
0: Yeah. The the one conversation that I wasn't a part of that I wish I would have been a part of was the divisional round pregame in San Francisco where there is a lot of video and pictures of Jerry Jones, Brett Maher, and Brian Anger together. And I'm like 10 yards away because we're snapping. But interesting what was said in that little huddle.
1: Need to know, bro.
0: I don't know what it was. And apparently,
1: you didn't need to know. It was
0: probably Jerry just be like, hey, you know.
1: Son, I believe in yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, And exactly. if you miss any of those more extra points, I'm going to send somebody over to your house.
0: Because I tell you what, the pressure they put on Brett Maher that week was insane.
1: I told you I've been watching The Sopranos, uh, you know, like for the first time 25 years late, and I could just see Jerry just going to Brett Maher saying, mean a lot to me if you could make these extra points. <laughs> it mean a lot to me.
0: And Brett would be like, Yeah, me too. Capiche? Yeah. Yeah, it was an interesting week for sure after that fiasco. But, uh, yeah, as we wrap it up, I mean, let's get some predictions. You're already one for one on a hot take for the head coaching spot here in Tennessee with the Titans. Let's talk about AFC Championship, NFC Championship, who makes it to the promised land, who wins the promised land, who wins it all this year. But for the sake of this weekend, we got Championship Weekend we got the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: All right, here's what I'll do. I'll go Chiefs, 49ers, Chiefs, and I think Matt Overton ends up in training camp at the very, very end on the New York Giants.
0: <laughs> That's a hot take.
1: At the very, very end. So like, you won't go to training camp. You'll be out snapping at Vanderbilt, Yeah. Lipscomb, wherever you snap.
0: And Scotty Myers in the, in the UFL.
1: Scotty, you know,
0: playing from the We'll be uh, snapping
1: with you. And all of a sudden, like either somebody'll get hurt in a preseason game or somebody won't be able to snap, and somehow some way you're going to end up on the New York Giants as right. their long snapper. Justin
0: pitch. thought I was going to go to New York like 2 years ago. That was his gut feeling. But we went to Dallas instead.
1: What's your gut feeling now? What's your gut feeling about where you'll end up?
0: I have no idea at all. I have no haven't really thought about it.
1: Where do you want to end up? I guess you don't care. Any of these teams?
0: Right here. I would like to go back to home, to home. Fort well, they've Niners. got an opening. Who? Titans. No, they're going to bring back Morgan for sure. they I mean, opening every year.
1: Every year, but does he take league minimum money? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, yeah. He gets about. a nice yeah. little bonus. Yeah, he'll probably
0: get a little intensive, a little signing bonus, something like that. Yeah. But Morgan's still got a lot of tread on the, wheel, on the wheels there.
1: So, what I don't understand, and I think we talked about this last time, was, again, you snap in all these places. You never have a bad snap, and then they never well, invite you back.
0: I Wouldn't say never, but
1: yeah, the cowboy game. But then after that, every it's time actually a
0: right. really good snap. Just wasn't on time. Well, yeah, the guy a little was early. ready
1: for it, <laughs> but uh, and then you don't get invited back. And I don't understand why you don't get invited back.
0: That's well, just again, we talk about you know, just the this the guy's age. a young snapper. This yeah, guy, the gets politics cut of it, and and, it. and you know, when somebody gets injured, I'm never essentially their guy. I'm just a, I'm just I fill the void for but temporarily. And haven't then. you
1: played on so many teams now that all these special teams coaches, if they ever need a long snapper, would be you know, oh yeah, Overton. Well, sure, and, and
0: that and that's that's maybe my role. Maybe my role is the emergency guy. You know, they're not going to bring me in at OTAs. They're not going to bring me in at a training camp. But if somebody gets hurt, you know, maybe I'm on that short list.
1: So you want Mike Vrabel to get a job. Because then Craig Ackerman will be the special teams coach of whatever team Mike Vrabel gets. And maybe
0: that's a rapport that I have there. Yeah, and yeah. Then I would love to play for you. Dial her, uh,
1: up Ackerman, and then you the
0: I, I love playing for Auk, and I love playing for Vrabel, and I thought I did well for them here. You know what I'm saying? But the cap. The the cap got. They, they me. couldn't keep you because of the cap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll end it on that because the cap just kills everybody.
1: Well, the Bills are 40 million over the cap going into next year, and guess what? It's
0: because of Von Miller, dude.
1: Guess what? I bet the Bills are still going to field a football team next year. They are. I bet I don't think they'll have to cut Josh Allen in order to get under the cap next yeah. year.
0: So you all right? So we're going. We're going Niners Ravens. You
1: want conspiracies? That the cap is the biggest load of crap. There you go. And it that is. is.
0: But you're going Niners Ravens or you going Niners Chiefs? What'd you I'm say? Going
1: Niners Chiefs. Chiefs won the Super Bowl.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. What do you got, Scotty?
2: I got Niners Chiefs, and I think the Chiefs will win also.
0: Wow. I'm going Detroit Ravens. Let's go Detroit. But I think Ravens win the Super Bowl. They have to. It's their year to do it. That's
1: a great team.
0: It's a great team. They're a great team. Yeah, but I'm going for Detroit. I'm a Niner fan at heart, but I just want to see the the Detroit Lions just make it happen, get there, revitalize that city, give them something to look forward to for the next few years. I like Dan Campbell a lot. I think he's incredible. And I would love to see Detroit upset the 49ers on the road in hostile territory, and I would like to see Lamar finally make it. And again, I, like I said last week, send the Swifties home cuz we're over it.
1: I I'm actually on their side now.
0: You want the antics of Super Bowl of the Swifties and Taylor oh, Swift I'll be there. and Brittany Mahomes and uh Jackson Mahomes, the so, TikToks on the sideline, the I, I don't care about The tricked out jackets that Juice's wife is making on the I think it was pretty dope. Hey, I'll tell you what. If the Niners and the Chiefs listen, if the Niners and the Chiefs meet in the Super Bowl, does Juice go to his wife and say, hey, listen.
1: No more jackets?
0: No more jackets for the Chiefs. No. You already did it.
1: And I'll tell you why. How many tickets do you think he's gonna have to buy for the Super Bowl if he gets there? Uh at least ten. Okay, how much is that gonna end up costing him?
0: Uh fifty grand.
1: Okay, so how nice would it be if they sell some freaking jackets?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I think she's doing it for the uh Shanahan's wife now. Like like she's like on fire as far as like everyone reaching out to her. And she'll probably end up doing a jacket for whoever's performing uh maybe the uh who's performing at halftime this year? Usher. Usher. You think Usher wears a No. A juice jacket
1: out there? No, but do you think that if you get in the league next year for the New York Giants, that Brees going to be wearing a New York Giants juice jacket?
0: Absolutely, we're going to get one made.
1: See, see, there you you, go. you
0: look good in uh, navy and red. Yeah, tiny colors, yeah. See, <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, tiny get a color. juice jacket. Yeah. What I feel very so here's my my quick take on the Taylor Swift thing.
0: I want to say what's how do you pronounce last? Juice check. Juice check. Okay, but he goes by Juice. Yes. Okay, I just want to get the name correctly out there. So
1: people, are, you're like, send the Swifties home and this.
0: It's I so really, good for the game. I really
1: am starting to feel bad for Taylor Swift because she's not asking for any of this. Like, what's she supposed to do? Be like, ah, oh, babe, I was going to go to the game, but now I'm not because people are going to flash a TV camera on me. Or what is she supposed to do? Like, go into witness protection and, like, watch the game? Like I'm not mad at Taylor Swift and, about this. No, but I just feel like, People are making this about her and that's not fair because she's not trying to make this about her.
0: No, but she probably knew what she was walking into.
1: Well, what is she supposed to do? Not go to the games?
0: I don't know. Maybe just not date Travis Kelsey.
1: Okay. So congratulations. You can't be happy because it'll make other people watching TV upset.
0: Would it be as big if she was dating somebody that wasn't as highly known or as superstar as Tra- Travis
2: Kelsey, it would be as big as it is.
1: Yes. Yes.
2: So she was dating a Okay. Breaking the Panthers mute. hired a head coach. Is it Vrabel? It's not. Bobby Slow. No, it's not. The Buccaneers offensive coordinator, David Canales. Hey, he's good. Wow. Breaking good. news live on the podcast. He's good. The Panthers got their guy, huh? Who is it again? Dave Canales
0: from Here's the Bucks. Dave Canales from Buccaneers. He huh? is
1: a quarterback resurrector. Geno Smith as the quarterback coach in Seattle last year. Baker Mayfield this year, but he can't take Baker with him to So
0: Bryce on. Young, is he gonna be resurrected?
1: I guess.
0: Or are they going to – no, they can draft it. one of the top guys, huh? They, no, they, Chicago they get, has that pick. Yeah, yeah. They're going to use it on a long Let me ask you this. We, we do have out. to wrap up. Scotty has a free agent combine, actually. He's got to fly out, too. Oh, he's got a, He's got a snapping combine out in San Diego. John Carney, he's going to ball out there and do great. Um, I know you got to get to something soon. We have a meeting coming up soon. Um, Justin Fields or the number one pick, what do you, what do you got? Quarterback. You're taking a quarterback mm-hmm. in the draft? Yeah. Why is that?
1: Because Fields isn't good enough yet for me to not take what people say is a really good quarterback prospect.
0: And who do you take with the first pick?
1: So I would rather have the second pick here because I don't want to take Caleb Williams because I I think he's off his rocker and that bothers me. But I can't not take the top player on the board, so I'd have to take Caleb Williams.
0: So you don't think it's more advantageous to keep? You you think there's no promise for Justin Fields in Chicago?
1: I mean, I don't think that there is as much promise for Justin Fields in Chicago going into year four and developing into a star quarterback as there is that this number one pick can be a star quarterback.
2: Do you think he goes to Atlanta? Um, uh,
1: I mean, Belichick coaching him.
0: I don't know, dude. I kind of like uh, I kind of like Justin Fields in Seattle.
1: I could see that. We don't know who the coach is, but I could see that. But I don't think Belichick wants Justin Fields as his quarterback. I think Belichick's going with like an older guy, like Kirk Cousins.
0: Gosh. And Kirk signs for another $60 million fully guaranteed uh-huh. deal. Jeez. As his own agent, representing himself. Doesn't he do that? Does he I represent don't himself? I think
1: so. I think he's got an agent.
0: Well, his agent's done very well for him. Yes. You know? So you think Justin Fields out, they use the number one pick, they don't trade it away. And they take Caleb Williams.
1: Correct. And I think they get a second rounder for Fields. Gotcha. I think they get a second rounder and a conditional like pick in the next year's draft. Yeah. Similar to the Carson Wentz trade from Philadelphia yeah. to Indianapolis. I got
0: you. All right. Well, that's good. The analytics got my heart rate up. Obviously yours too. I appreciate that. That take. Um, thanks for taking the time out. I love having you on, dude. <laughs> you are, Stay ready. Dude, you you are ready. Cause I, I, I text you and you're like, I'll be there.
1: Like three minutes from my house.
0: Hey, I need I need the hot takes because you got them. Oh, I got takes. Yeah. And you can go on and on and on. And you're fired up. I love it, man. What do you got the rest of the day? You got you your own show?
1: Well, I mean, we got the coach's press conference today. And then I got to yell and scream oh, about that. And...
2: He's got a lot. Yeah. yeah.
0: Maybe, maybe let's get get you back on uh, leading up to the Super Bowl. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully, those, some of the conspiracies this weekend are, are put to rest.
1: Here's what you need to do you need to tell McAfee that he should do the Stay Ready podcast from the Super Bowl. I'll be at the Super Bowl, and we'll just hook him in on the Stay Ready podcast.
0: I don't know if I can get a credential right now, but uh, that would be awesome.
1: We'll work on that.
0: I'm pretty sure it's pretty hard to get a credential for uh, Radio Row.
1: Oh, I get you on Radio Row.
0: With my podcast? That would I think it's very, very difficult.
1: Well, you could do it from my Radio Row setup.
0: Oh, I got you. Or a hotel room.
1: Or that. Which, honestly, that's probably what he would prefer because there would probably be... What what
0: hotel should we stay at? The Luxor. Really?
1: Yeah, Radio row is going to be at Mandalay Bay. Okay. And the media hotel next door is the
0: Luxor. No, I was thinking, like, I don't know. The Palms would be kind of cool because it's a little bit closer to the stadium, kind of on that side. It's not on the Strip. But then uh, I'm a big Bellagio guy.
1: I don't do Vegas because... I I haven't
0: been to Vegas in a while.
1: As we talked about gambling black like the Win hotel too i do it a lot and uh i just don't sleep when i go to vegas and i don't
0: like that or we just go old school and go to the hooters hotel oh that hotel sucks and and, and pay uh, 150 bucks a night that hotel sucks (laughs) well thanks jared everyone uh stay ready yeah stay ready have a good weekend and we'll see what the outcome is after this weekend is it going to be the chiefs and the niners or is it going to be baltimore and detroit we shall see but have a great weekend stay ready